throughout the summer of 2023 on the occasions that I will be in this pulpit, I have determined to lift from the scripture the life of Joseph. And Joseph is quite the character. He is quite a man. In fact, he is one of only two men that are mentioned in the Bible of which there is not one derogatory thing said about him. Not one. And that's saying something. Because the Bible does not shy away from showing everything about people. And by the way, I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that the characters of Scripture don't have to be perfect to be used by God. Because I'm not perfect. I'm here glad there's, there's no perfect people. Amen. And yet it is the man Joseph and even the young man Joseph that we found a few sermons ago that teaches and instructs us through his life. We were meeting earlier this morning with our prayer team before we came out for our service. And I mentioned to those that were assembled together, uh, life and its success, especially when it comes to following Jesus Christ, many times is best determined not by simply what we do proactively, although we do need to be proactive in our walk with God, prayerful, fasting, getting in the word, worship, giving, and the list can go on and on. But there is great success found also with how we respond to what life brings, how I respond to difficulty, how I respond to the injustice that would be something against me. How I respond to criticism, how I respond to evil, how I respond to uh, things that happen perhaps by chance that we really didn't have anything to do with. And yet how I respond is so critically important because how I respond reveals my attitude. And how many have lived long enough to know that my attitude, our attitude determines much in our life. How we view life, how we view God, how we view even other people. And Joseph is a character that reveals attitude. It reveals much about how to respond and respond correctly. Two sermons ago, I began to preach from the life of Joseph. And I have simply entitled this series of sermons, I Must Decide. Everyone say, I must decide. Now, before I tell you what I'm preaching about today, allow me to say this, just as a little precursor to this sermon. What I'm preaching about, we have to decide what we're going to do about this. We can't stand on the back of the audience or stand on the sidelines and say, I'm going to sit this one out. We have to decide. These, these subjects from Joseph's life will hit us front and center. As long, as long as we live, there are going to be things that we're going to have to deal with. And so in Joseph's life, he had to decide, what am I going to do when I am rejected? He was rejected by his brothers. He was turned against by his brothers. So how am I going to respond to that? I have to decide that. Secondly, I preached, I must decide, how do I act in a strange land? How many of you were here when I preached that? How do I act in a strange land? When life takes you up to a place you did not plan on going to. When you find yourself waking up in Egypt and you did not plan on being in Egypt. In fact, you didn't even ask to be in Egypt, but because of what someone else did or life or the flow of your life, 
you find yourself waking up in a strange land. What do we do? Today, from Genesis chapter 39, I want to lift another very important principle from Scripture. Everybody say, I must decide. I've simply entitled this, I must decide. It's not true. How do I respond when I am lied upon? How do I respond when I am lied upon? And Joseph is a primary example of this. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something that I've asked a few times before, and it just takes courage because it involves closing our eyes. No one's going to do it. If you're new, no one's going to do anything weird right now. It just helps engage our imagination. So would you close your eyes? Let me read to you from Genesis chapter 39 and activate your imagination. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was very, very handsome. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, when no one else was around, he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and that he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon, all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. 
It is an Old Testament story that is riveting. I don't know how you are when I was reading that from this passage of Scripture, but that is a quick imagination that comes to my mind when I consider the life of Joseph and specifically the setting of this scenario. You see, when we open up our Bible, we will find, church, that lies and truth are very important to God. The truth about lies is very important to God. The truth itself is very important to God. His word, the Bible, speaks to this in the book of Proverbs 14 and 25. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is a traitor. A false witness, the proverb writer declares in the 19th proverb, will not go unpunished. And he who breathes out lies will perish. When it comes to lies, God does not mess around. When it comes to not telling the truth, God's judgment does come. Uh, it's very clear, the proverb writer declares, that a person who uh, tells something untruth about someone else, they will not go Unpunished. I don't mean to belabor this point. I don't want to drill down and make anybody unduly comfort, uncomfortable, but I do need to make sure we understand this. God will punish lying. We may say, well, they're getting away with it. They won't always get away with it. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. People who suppress the truth, the wrath of God will be revealed from heaven against them. In the book of Revelation 21 and verse number 8, the scripture goes very clearly at this lying spirit when it declares the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I have made up in my mind, and I'm trying, I hope you are as well, to stay as far away from everyone on that list in Revelation chapter 21 as I can. Why? Because I do not want my life to be associated with anything that's going to be eternally damned. Can I just say this as a pastor right now, and for those of you whom I am not your pastor, you can just listen to this and receive it perhaps as just a word of admonition. But to those that call me your pastor, may I say to you, we must shun in our life anything that is going to be eternally damned. We must not get used to and laugh at and find amusement in that which will be judged forever by God. All ungodliness, all that is abominable, lying and sexual immorality and sorcerers and idolaters. Oh, I just make sure I got to preach this right now. We cannot allow our homes 
to be places where we dabble in sorcery and we dabble in laughing at sexual immorality and we allow television images and movie images to come in our mind that will be judged by God. And neither must we become callous or casual with a lack of truth. Because it is our enemy, the devil, who is identified by Jesus himself when he spoke to the Pharisees and said, you are of your father, the devil. Now, Jesus must not have taken a course in how to win friends and influence people. Because to the religious leaders of the day, he pointed his righteous finger at them and said, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. The desires of the devil, you want to do those. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Everything about the devil is a lie. Everything that comes from the devil is a lie. In fact, he is the father, the originator, the creator of a lack of truth. Jesus, on the other hand, God in flesh, the son of man and the son of God, declared of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That makes me want to follow Jesus Christ. That makes me want to shun lies and fall in love with Jesus because he's not just around the truth. He is truth. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. We are instructed in prayer to put on the belt of truth so that what comes from our life is truth. Ephesians 6 and 14. Paul admonishes the Ephesians to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth, but make sure it's in love. Say it with me, the truth matters. Look at someone near you and say, the truth matters. The truth matters. The truth matters. It is from the life of Joseph that we can lift several principles that will help us especially when we are lied upon or we find ourselves in a situation where what is being said is just not true. It's just absolutely not true. First of all, it's a principle that I think is, is a little nuanced, but we have to understand it today. And I think we can back this up from not just the Bible, but also personal experience with the Bible being our primary reason. Number one, you and I must realize that some of our greatest points of temptation are going to come when things are going well and not difficult. I've heard people say, well, the devil kicked me while I was down. 
in my experience, the devil tries to kick me a lot more often when I'm not down. Because how many of you know when we walk out of church and we've had a wonderful move of God's spirit and we've enjoyed wonderful fellowship of God's people and we feel really jazzed about life, like yes, 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 yes. It is easy if we are not careful to do this, just spiritually. Whereas when we're down, we're on guard because we don't want something else to go wrong. But I think this is why the Lord spoke through the prophet and said, Woe unto those who are at ease in Zion. Now, I'm not talking about being eternally insecure and walking around on eggshells all the time. But we must realize that some of the greatest points of temptation for difficulty in our life will come when things are going well, not when we're down. So we have to keep our guard up and keep vigilant about our walk with God and every single day turn our life back to God. Every single day say, Lord, I'm asking today for fresh bread today. I'm coming in fresh consecration this morning. I'm coming to you as my father today. You know what I have need of. I'm coming to you openly and honestly today. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You can read this in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. After detailing some of the Old Testament examples of those who were idolaters and sexually immoral. And and Paul even put complainers in there. Did you know that's a sin? Do we need to go on? Do I need to stay there for a while or do I need to move on? 1 Corinthians 10, he's talking about the, the, the sins of the Corinthian church and idolatry and sexual immorality and complainers. And 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 says, Now all these things happened, their example, for you to have an example. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, because you have these examples of people that were in the church but fell into difficulty and sin, therefore... Let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Joseph is a great example. The Bible says that while he was in Potiphar's house, he was blessed. He was promoted. The only thing that Potiphar didn't look at after was the food that he ate. I don't know if that means Joseph wasn't a good cook or what. But everything else in Potiphar's house was given over to the administration of Joseph. He was blessed. He was successful. The house of Potiphar was being blessed. He'd come through the trial with his brothers. He'd been brought out of slavery and lifted up and exalted. And in the midst of that great Peaceful, triumphant time. Lies enter. And temptation come. So let me stop here long enough to say to us, as a warning to me and as a warning to you, when things are going great, let's rejoice in that, but let's not get carnal in that. 
When things are going wonderful in our families, let's stay vigilant in prayer. Let's walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Why? Because I do not want to give occasion for the enemy to come and to bring temptation that will capsize me. We must not walk after the flesh. So many times difficulty and temptation will come strong when we, when we have things going well in our life. Secondly, a principled, God-fearing life must be our greatest allegiance. Joseph is a tremendous example of this. A principled, everybody say principled. God-fearing, say God-fearing. A principled, God-fearing life must be our greatest allegiance. Now, in the passage that I read in our text where Potiphar's wife is lusting after uh, Joseph and coming after him and really just making a play on him and trying to get him to commit sexual immorality with her, and the Bible says she just stays at it and stays at it and stays at it and stays at it. He begins to make his distance from her just as much as he could and perhaps only interacting with her when it was absolutely necessary due to his job. But, but, but there's a lot of teaching in there, folks, about staying away from temptation. And he's trying to, to live a principled life and position himself. Can I just tell you something? There is no stance that you and I can take when it comes to sin and temptation and giving over to sin that is too conservative. There's no temptation. Too conservative. There's no stance that we could take that's too conservative. Why? Because Joseph is a great example of this. And he's, he's pushing back. He's staying away. And when she presses him and she comes after him and just won't let up and is, is so persuasive trying to get him to, to do what he, he's, he's not supposed to do and not wanting to do. It is Joseph that lifts his voice in that moment. And he says this in Genesis chapter 39. And verse number eight, he said, I cannot sin against my master. Now, there's teaching in there that I won't get into as far as that role and what that means. But Joseph said, there are people in my life that are depending on me to stay righteous. I have been handed so much from this man. I have been given so much responsibility and so much authority from this man. There are people in, this, in my life, in my sphere, in my influence that have been so good to me and they are depending on me to be righteous. And so I have an allegiance to people who are close to me to stay true and stay righteous and stay pure. I owe that to the people closest to me. I cannot sin against my master. And then it's as though he pivots out of that conversation. In Genesis 39 and verse 9. And declares in the face of a temptation. Any sin that I would commit is also a sin against God himself. Church, we never sin in a vacuum. 
I never sin and it affects just one person. Because any misstep, any willful sin, any sin that I would ever commit ultimately is a sin against God's word and what he calls me to. And Joseph made that very clear. There are people in my life that are depending on me to be righteous. And ultimately, I cannot sin against God himself. Oh, that you and I would get to the place where when the enemy comes and tempts us and when life comes and tempts us and when the flesh is weak and we're feeling weak and we're feeling like we can't make it much further, we would switch our thinking off simply of the convenience of the moment, but rather say, I want to be right with God above everything else. I want to make sure my allegiance to God is primary first and foremost. First and foremost. And so a principled, God-fearing life must be our greatest allegiance. Genesis chapter 39, beginning at verse number 13, hatches what is really the premise of this message today, and that is the lie that Potiphar's wife created. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside. She called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. That word mock means to insult or to dishonor. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. It happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled, went outside. She kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought into us came in to mock me, to dishonor me, to insult me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. Joseph paid a high price in the moment for staying righteous. Let's say that again. Joseph paid a high price in the moment for staying righteous. Because blood is thicker than water. And when daddy came home, who do you think he's going to believe? His wife or the Hebrew man that he had working in his house? In fact, and I'm not going to make this a theological point, but we actually have no proof in scripture that Potiphar ever gave Joseph opportunity to explain his side. Potiphar's wife just bleh, made up the lie and made sure she said it emphatically so it would sound like the truth. Potiphar was furious, the Bible says, and took Joseph, the man who up to that moment had control of everything in the house and put him in the prison. So what do we do when we've been lied upon? What do we do when we are in the prison now that somebody else built for us? We're in the prison not of our own doing, 
but because of what someone else lied and said we did. Can you make it through that? Can you survive that? Can it be anything that anything good comes out of? Or is that it? Write the gravestone. It's over. Your life's over. Your reputation's over. Everything is gone. Is there any highway or roadway out of that? Joseph tells us that it can be done. Because our responsibility is to keep our spirit right. And to let the Lord vindicate the righteous. Listen to pastor right now. Our responsibility is not to come on so hot and heavy that we get in a firefight. I'm not talking about not sticking up for ourselves. We need to declare if, we're, if injustice has been done. But listen, to a child of God, we have given over the reins of our life to the Lord when we surrendered our life to Him. And His word is clear. He will vindicate the righteous. He will vindicate the righteous. He will vindicate the righteous. Let me just tell you something right now. What we may face in the moment, the price that we pay in the moment, or what we feel like we've given up, or how we feel like we've been cheated, if we will keep our spirit right, God can step in after the fact and vindicate the righteous and give you back everything you used to have. Joseph is an example of this. Joseph is an example of this. Genesis chapter number, um, excuse me, Psalm 37 and verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. Everybody know that when you trust in the Lord, that means you have options. Whether you're going to trust or not trust, the psalmist says trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Oh, I've heard preachers preach on that many times in my life. Delight yourself in the Lord, and the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Let me preach it a little bit different right now. I don't think the psalmist writes that and says, delight yourself in the Lord. God's just going to give you every desire you ever have in all your life. No, I think God can literally give me the desire of how I need to think. I believe God can give me the right desires if I delight myself in the Lord. So that I don't respond out of my flesh, but I respond out of trust. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Oh, I feel like someone needs to hear this right now. I feel like maybe the will of God's being done with me preaching this right here because there may be somebody, you feel like you've been the victim of someone lying against you. Can I tell you something? The word of the Lord is coming and saying he's going to bring forth your righteousness as the light. That means it's not going to be seen and the next moment it's going to be seen. 
and your justice as the noonday. Hear the word of the Lord today. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Oh, somebody hear the word of the Lord right now. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just, and gnashes at him with his teeth. But the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. We got to keep our spirit right, folks. Joseph kept his spirit right. You say, well, prove it to me, Brother Yaddy. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. Let's do that. Go with me back to Genesis 39. Verse 20. Our musicians can come. Just about finished. Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But how many of you know that's not the end of that chapter? Next verse. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The Lord is saying, Joseph, I know you've been lied on, and I know now for the second time you find yourself in a strange place that you did not ask for. But if you'll keep your spirit right, I have a couple gifts for you. The first gift I have is my mercy. <laughs> when I was growing up, um, I had friends, and they had grandparents that used this word a lot. And they didn't use it in terms of like, theological mercy, like talking about mercy. They used it as an exclamation. Like when someone would do something, they'd go, mercy! Anybody know someone like that? Mercy! But now let me take it out of that humorous example and ask you this question. You don't have to raise your hand or even nod, but I think I know that the answer is affirmative for a lot of people in this room. Have you ever been in a situation that you did not ask for? Wow, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. And you didn't say mercy because of someone doing it. You said mercy because you needed mercy. Because what was done was wrong. I'm going to call a spade a spade. 
It was wrong. Not debate, it was wrong. And what I need in that, in that moment is the two things that Joseph got it because he kept the spirit right. He got mercy and he got the favor of the Lord. Isn't it amazing that even in the prison, the Lord said, that's not going to keep me from giving you mercy and favor. I'm going to give you mercy when you really need the mercy because someone lied on you. But I'm also going to give you favor if you keep your spirit right. And you're going to have influence in the place you're at right now. Can I just tell you something? Let me just follow the Holy Ghost right now. If you and I will keep our spirit right when we are lied upon, God can give us favor with people that we never thought we would meet. Joseph was in Potiphar's house. He wasn't in the prison at first. So he had no reason to influence the people in the prison. But after he was lied upon and put in the prison, because he kept the spirit right, he got mercy and favor with those people in the prison. So now there's, a, there's an evangelist in prison because someone kept their spirit right. We got to rule our spirit correctly, folks. We got to submit our spirit to the word of God, the Holy Ghost, and say, God, I don't want to respond out of the flesh right now. I want to respond humbly. So let me finish with this, Psalm 5. And this is what I felt the Lord tell me to send you out of here with today. The boastful shall not stand in God's sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, in other words, I have a choice as to how I'm going to respond when I've been lied upon. As for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. Verse 11, Psalm 5, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor you will surround him as with a shield God will vindicate the righteous if we will keep our spirit right not foolishly charge God not respond in the flesh but let God fight the battle I want you to stand with me if you would please Praise the Lord. How do I respond when it's just not true? Well, here's what I know on Sunday morning. What I have preached over the last 37 minutes and two seconds. Yeah, I do have a timer back there. Is hitting some people in this room right between the eyes right now. But here's what I also know about the word of God. It's quick and it's powerful and it 
sharper than any two-edged sword. And if this sermon today is something that we catalog in the back of our mind and say, God, keep it close to me, there may come a day we're going to pull this out and say, Lord, I've been lied upon, and I remember being taught your word that you'll vindicate the righteous, keep my spirit right, Lord. Let me rule my own spirit correctly, and let me keep things humble before you. God will take care of that. God will take care of that. I want us to pray together. Would you come? Would you just come from all over the sanctuary? We're going to pray together today as a church family. Praise God. today? Are you hearing the word of the Lord today? Is this making sense today? It's our responsibility. It's my responsibility. How I'm going to respond. Amen. Let's pray right now. Jesus, thank you for your word today. Praise God. I feel like we've gained some, some ground today, Lord just feel a settling of the Holy Ghost in this room right now, Lord. Maybe it's because it's hitting us right where we need to today, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that we will not embrace a victim mentality, but God, let us embrace a trust mentality right now. Trusting you in every area of our life, trusting you in the things that we understand and the things that we do not understand, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us to step up a little bit higher and live by the Spirit, not after the flesh, not conforming to the way the world acts, Lord. But in Jesus' name, letting you vindicate the righteous, letting you fight our battles for us, Lord. Letting truth prevail, I pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help us to keep our spirit right, Lord. I stand open, honest before you. Lord, in me dwelleth no good thing. That's why I need your Holy Spirit to dwell through me and to help me today, God. Be with us. Be strong in our life this week, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would lean on the Holy Ghost this week, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we need you. We stand as a people in need of you this morning, Lord. Help us, God. Seal this word in our heart. Don't let the enemy come and steal it away from us this week, Lord, but put it in our spirit, Lord. Let us walk it out. Lord, those that it's ministering to right now, God, let them walk that out, I pray, in the name of Jesus. I thank you. I thank you for letting us be victorious. I thank you for letting us live in victory, Lord. Walk in victory. Embrace the victory that you have for us, Lord. We commit all of it to you right now, Lord. Bless this church family. Bless your people this week, Lord, with growth and maturity in our walk with you, following after your word, following after the principles of the word of God. I pray we would leave a principled, God-fearing life, Lord. A life of integrity, a life of virtue, Lord. In Jesus' name.